Hi, this is Maria Brophy, author of Art, Money, and Success. And you are listening to the Inspiration Place podcast with Miriam Shulman. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Welcome to episode 11 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Shulman, an artist living in New York. So today we're doing kind of a free coaching segment, which we sometimes do here on the Inspiration Place podcast. And I have my friend, consultant and artist agent Maria Brophy to help me. So in this episode, you'll discover which is more profitable, selling in person or online. We'll also talk about how to brainstorm unique angles for your next press release and the best ways to build your email list. After the Q&A is over, Maria and I also talk shop where we discuss how she can get started with her online classes. So you're going to want to check that out as well. Now, before we get in today's episode, I wanted to tell you about today's freebie offer. If you've been wondering how to boost your success as a professional artist step-by-step and you're ready to start investing in your art career, you're in the right place. I've done it and I can inspire you how to do it too. My specialty is making the tech simple, attracting high-end portrait commissions, building your social media following, email marketing, and online classes. I only coach a few select clients at a time and it's by application only. If you want to apply for a complimentary 15-minute session with me to see if working with me is a right fit for you, go to shulmanart.com forward slash apply. You just choose your appointment and apply for an application. And once your application is approved, you can meet with me for free. So we can talk about if working together is the right fit for you. The other thing I wanted to share with you is that Maria and I discuss online classes and I use Kajabi for all of my online class platform. So I have a special affiliate link I can share with you. If you go to shulmanart.com forward slash Kajabi, you get 15% off any of the programs that you can choose there. So if you're thinking about doing your own online class and you want to save on what I consider to be the best online class platform, go to shulmanart.com forward slash Kajabi and you can enjoy 15% off. Okay, now back to our show. Maria Brophy is author of Art, Money and Success, a book that guides artists to earning a living with their art. Maria has created a lifestyle of selling art and traveling the world for nearly 20 years. Her expertise is on art marketing, sales, and licensing. She acts as agent to her artist husband, Drew Brophy, and also consults other artists on the business of art. Welcome, Maria. I'm so thrilled that you're here today. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you today. Thanks. Yeah. So I have gathered up a lot of questions from my audience, many from my free Facebook group, The Inspiration Place, which you can find at shulmanart.com slash group. So there's a lot of questions for you. And what I thought we could do is I'll, I'll pose the question and I'll get your opinion first as from your experience with working with your husband. And then if have a different idea, I'll put in my two cents. Sound good? Perfect. Okay, great. 
So my first question is from Sally Trace. And Sally wants to know, what is your prognosis for artists who only want to sell online and not do any selling in person? Well, I think if you can find a way to make that happen, that's awesome. The advantage to only selling online is you don't ever have to go out and talk to anybody. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great to never have to leave your house or your studio? I know, but then we're all going to turn into Emily Dickinson. (laughs) But That's my greatest fear, (laughs) other than turning into my mother. (laughs) <laughs> oh God! We never. So that's already happened. So <laughs> never. Well, so that's the advantage to only selling online, and uh, and that's great. But but here's some challenges, right? You grow a die-hard collector base, a group of people that love your work, that will want to collect it forever and ever. You have to really deeply connect with them, and. Yeah, you can do that through Instagram and you can do that through Facebook and other online platforms. But when you go out and do live events, live shows, live exhibits, that's when you get the real feedback from people. That's when you really connect with people. And that is a great way to grow your collector base, your email list, your fan base is by doing things in the flesh. My, uh, my previous life was in the insurance industry before I got into the business I'm in now, which is the business of selling art. And in the insurance industry, we had a saying and it was called, if, if you want to make more sales, you have to press the flesh. Press <laughs> That's the great. flesh. That's right. an old saying in insurance sales. And pressing the flesh means getting out and meeting people. But hey, you know, I'm not one to knock whatever is working for you. If just selling online is working for you and you're making money doing it and it's exactly what you want to be doing, then then knock yourself out. Yeah, I'm really glad that you pointed some of those things out that you did. And I would even further add in my very first episode, which would be episode zero with Jason Van Orden, we talked about how important it is to create feedback from people who are looking at your art. And unfortunately, we are, we're living in this, you know, gathering likes on Instagram. But the problem is, is that only gives you back the positive feedback. So you're either going to get positive feedback or silence. And you're not going to get the kind of feedback that you might get from having a conversation with somebody who's standing in front of your art. So they might say, hey, I really like that, but do you have it larger? Do you have a butterfly? Do you have... So those conversations I find really happen in the real world when people are responding to your art and you're able to see what their objections might be to why they are or aren't making a purchase, where is online, you're either going to get a sale or you're just going to get nothing. So that's not really feedback. Well, there's, there's one other thing I want to add to that. You know, every creative person dreams of something big happening to them, mm-hmm. right? When you see an artist who has their work on billboards or their work is featured in a TV show or, you know, think of all the big things that can happen, the things that we can only dream of, those things, while maybe it could happen with only an online presence, those things really always happen when you are out networking, when you're at a trade show, when you're in a group exhibit, 
when you are connecting with people, that's when those opportunities come about. I know that some of our some of our biggest deals that we've gotten for my husband Drew, it's always been with an accidental meeting of someone that's who so discovered his work. Yeah. And Can you share a specific story of when that happened? A couple of years ago, Drew studies sacred geometry and he studies ancient cultures. And he started switching his painting themes from surf images to a completely different theme, which is sacred geometry, more, meta, of, of, more of the metaphysical bent that incorporates universal laws and uh, metaphysics and um, quantum physics and things like that. Well, there are certain people that he studies under, that he's studied under where he's read their books and he's taken their online courses. And a couple of years ago, he decided he wanted to meet some of these people in person. Well, how do you meet some of these big names that you've been following for years? Well, you go to the places where they are at, right? And so we went to the Conscious Life Expo and we set up a gig where Drew was doing a live painting at the Conscious Life Expo. And we set goals for what we wanted to achieve by being there. And one was to introduce this new work to a new audience. The other was to meet three people. And we wrote those three names down on a piece of paper. And in the weekend, we met two of those three people. And we didn't meet them by following them around because they were big name speakers. They actually stumbled upon him because he was doing a live painting. He was the only person in the entire giant conference that was painting live. And so he was like a magnet to people. And I want to point out something very interesting because I know the law of attraction folks out there, they say, put the name on the piece of paper and make it happen. But the thing I want to point out is that yes, you put the name on the piece of paper, but you also took inspired action to help make that happen. You, you put Drew, Drew put himself in the right place. So it wasn't, you put a name on a piece of paper and then the person showed up at the grocery store. (laughs) Although we actually had that happen. Oh, you did? Okay. (laughs) I love it. Okay. There's this, um, there's this really amazing, amazing uh, his work for a long time. His name's Miss Sim Harriman. And we didn't even know that he moved his laboratory to our little town where we live. And one day Drew was in line at the grocery store waiting for a juice. It was one of those natural foods places. And lo and behold, this man was standing right behind him in line. And, um, and they actually had met before. So they rec- you know, he recognized Drew, but it started somewhat of a friendship. So, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing how those things do work. Okay. So that was a really good question to dive into. The next one, I'm betting you're going to give this woman similar advice because it sounds like she's focusing mostly online. This is from Rini. Here's what Rini says. Here is where I am right now. I don't know if it's... So Rini said she hasn't been active online for several months, so she's not... Uh, shown up in the search engines the way she used to be. I no longer want to rely on places like Etsy and move everything to my website. I've been getting requests from there now, but it's trickling in. I'm sort of afraid of making this permanent. 
So I'm trying to like tease the question out of here. I think the question is whether to use your own website or to rely on marketplaces like Etsy. I think a combination of the two. You don't want to totally rely on something like Etsy or any other online platform that you don't have control over because when it changes or if it ever goes out of business, which has happened before, then you lose everything. The other downside to totally relying on Etsy or another platform is you usually don't get the names of the buyers. Um, actually, no, on Etsy, you do get the names of the buyers. I don't. Fi- you do on Etsy. You don't on places like Fine Art America, ImageKind, like the print-on-demand right. sites don't share the customer information, but Etsy does. But Etsy actually has some very restrictive language in there that if you follow the rules, they really don't want you treating them as your customers. Right. They don't want you emailing them and sending them newsletters and so forth. And that email is the best way to stay in touch with your customers. It's the best way to grow your customer base if you're you're doing it right. And that's a whole other conversation. But I like the idea of keeping a website. I know these days it's really tough getting traffic to your website. It's really tough because you're up, you're competing against Amazon, which is so hard Mm. to do. And Etsy and all these other websites, the best thing that you can do is to build up your newsletter list, your personal connection with every single buyer and every single interested person. Maybe they haven't bought yet, but they're interested and nurture that list. So you're gathering these emails also in these in-person events, correct? Absolutely. And you don't want to miss out on that opportunity to ask people. And and I'm going to say this, it's work. Yeah. Without a doubt, it's work. It's an effort. It's something you have to remember to do. One thing that I got in the habit of doing is I bring a clipboard and on the clipboard is a piece of paper with lines and it says name, email address, city, state, because I like to know where they are where they're located on the map. And I ask people to fill, fill it in if they want to keep in touch. And a lot of people do because you capture them in the moment when they're looking at your work and they've just had a conversation with you and they feel connected with you. And they, if they're excited about what you're doing, they're going to want to be on your list. I completely agree. I actually, what I do is I, I don't have a master list. What I do is I create postcards that look very similar to the kind that you would see inside a a magazine that says, yes, I want to subscribe to your list. And then I have them fill out their name, their email, and their address on that. And I just like that a little bit better than than having a master list because people sometimes don't want to add their name where other people can, can see it. And then it gives me an opportunity to also write notes on the card and I can hand them the card to fill out while, you know, if I'm processing a sale or something like that. So that's what I like to do, but definitely try to gather up every email address I can during those times for sure. I love that postcard idea. That's brilliant. Yeah, you're well, you can steal it. I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> I'm going I'm to write about that in my next book. Okay. All right. So I'll give you say, a Artist Miriam Shulman says. 
<laughs> yeah, but I just mo- basically model it after the kind you see in the magazine. You know, you put the logo on top and it's, it also makes it a different kind of experience for them that they don't feel like you're taking from them, if that makes sense. You know, it's like you're giving them something and they're filling it out. Yeah. So it's a, it's a different feeling. All right, great. So let's move along. Uh, This question comes from Megan. We're changing gears a little bit. She wants to know, what kind of marketing PR does Maria, do you do for Drew? Meaning, do you send out press releases, reach out to magazines for articles or that sort of thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. And yes, I do that. And again, that's, that's a lot of effort too. But, but the thing is, some people don't realize it's not that hard to get a magazine or a newspaper to write about you. If you have something going on, they're actually looking for things to write about. They're always looking for information. And you're true. not asking for a favor when you say, hey, I've got this event coming up. Why don't you write a little something about it? You're giving them material. They're looking for material. And the, the one thing that I, I think that artists need to keep in mind, if you do have an event coming up, let's say it's an art exhibit and you want the local papers to write about it, try to get a little creative and try to find a hook that connects your exhibit with the community so yes. that the newspaper has a reason to write about it rather than, you know, they're not going to write about it from the standpoint of advertising it, but they will write about it from the standpoint of how it fits in with uh, what they normally write about. So for example, we recently had Drew, Drew's art is in a museum exhibit this summer in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Congratulations. Thank you. It's literally a dream come true, like a long time coming. And we live in San Clemente, California. The museum exhibit is in South Carolina. We got the local newspaper here where we live in our hometown in San San Clemente to write about it. And the hook was San Clemente artist is shipping nearly 100 pieces of art from San Clemente to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for this huge exhibit, taking a piece of Southern California you know, and exhibiting it in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So that was that was kind of a hook, and that's how we tied this community newspaper in with what we were doing. And they ended up putting him on the cover of the newspaper. Wow, that's amazing because I honestly, I don't think I would have thought of that. I would have just been like, okay, what are the Myrtle Beach papers? And it's so interesting that you realize that that was an angle to actually keep your your buyers in your area aware of how he's getting this national exposure across the country. Right. Um, there's an artist that I work with named Lori Lejeune. She's on the East Coast, somewhere near Atlanta, Georgia. And she does these amazing art installations of birds in flight. And it, and it consists of a number of paintings on round canvases. And I recently recommended to her that she contact any kind of magazine that features flying. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's an airplane magazine, an airline magazine, or a magazine that focuses on birds, anything that has to do with flying. Because one of her installations is titled The Art of Flight, something like that. 
Um, so it's a perfect tie-in, even though uh, she it's birds, it ties in to any kind of flight. Yeah. So you just have to. So did that get picked up? Yeah. I mean, what? Um, you're not she's sure working on it. We just had that okay. conversation like two weeks ago, but I have no doubt it will because even magazines, you know, like beautiful printed magazines, they love to have something artsy in their magazine, something beautiful, something colorful or edgy or sophisticated, you know, whatever, it doesn't even matter what kind of art you're doing. About reaching out to bloggers, is that still a thing, like to get placed in, uh, you know, that used to be the big thing to get featured in, in one of these hot blogs. I think it's definitely worth it if, if it's a big name blogger and they have a huge following. Absolutely. We're paying to have them posted on their Instagram. And that's kind of like replacing getting featured in a blog. It's just paying them to post a picture. Not that I've tried this, but this is something that's come up recently with a friend of mine who sells quilts that she was thinking about reaching out to influencers to post that like on their decorating sites, on their decorating Instagram feeds. Is that, is that a technique you've tried? I have not tried paying anyone to do that. No. I know of a couple different artists that actually painted something for a very big name with a big following and then gave it to them as a gift. Mm. And the gift back was an Instagram post. Wow. Uh, just just last week, gosh, I can't remember who the artist was now. It's somebody I follow on Facebook. I just can't remember who it was. Did a painting of Ashley Longshore. Yeah, she's somebody we had on the podcast episode the first episode one, I the, the artist that did the painting of Ashley Longshore. No, Ashley oh. Longshore. Oh, Ashley Longshore. Okay, I love Ashley Longshore so much, and but so this artist did a painting of Ashley Longshore, and Ashley oh, Longshore just posted it on her Instagram. Oh, that's great. That's really good yeah. exposure because she has like what a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Yes, yeah. that's great exposure. So, Terrific. Um, another thing you could do if you wanted to. I mean, I, I would say only do that if you feel really passionate about someone and what they're doing. Right, and don't do it just because you think you'll get posted because they may not post it, and now you've given them art. So you have to really yeah. want to give them artwork. It has to come from the heart, exactly. For sure. Right. <laughs> You have to be okay with giving them artwork and nothing happening. Terrific. I have another question. This one comes from Lisa, uh, Lisa Cunningham. And Lisa wants to know, what percentage of commission work do you rely on in your business? And by the way, just to reiterate, so Maria uh, represents her husband. So whenever we say your business, it is your business. And Drew is the artist. Percentage of commission work do you rely on in your business and what percentage of sales are organic? And she also added, I find myself marketing more for commission work rather than for my other work. Commissioned Commissions absolutely make up a majority of hmm. our sales. Yes. And, and if I were to come up with a percentage of it, I would, I would say, gosh, it's 75% is commission work and included in that 75% would be licensed work. And the only reason I include that in there is because a lot of times the art that we license is also falls under the bucket of commission because it's created specifically for 
someone to use for a specific purpose. Right. For a campaign. Yes. Yes. Product line. All right. That's great to know. All right. And I, obviously when I was doing portraits, then it was also 75% of my artworks sold was commission work. And a lot of times it still happens even without commissions because I like your, whatever it is, your peacock, your giraffe, but do you paint it smaller? Can you paint it bigger? I hear that quite a lot and that usually leads to commission sales and even commissions. I call them commissions, but people want custom size prints is really falls under the umbrella of something that's custom art or commission art. Yes. Okay. So now this one is for Roxanne. And you can answer it both with both hats, both. So what she wants to know, do you have a hard time leaving work behind when you go on vacation or take time off? So I'd love to hear that answered both from your perspective of marketing. Are you still tethered to your, your smartphone and emails? And also Drew, when he takes time off, is he still creating or does he give himself a creative break? Well, it's... <laughs> It's hard to answer that question because a lot of times our vacations are also business. Mm. <laughs> so like we, Myrtle we, Beach, like you went for the... We went for the museum exhibit. Yes. We drove from California all the way to South Carolina. Wow. But along the way, we took, we took about seven days to get there and we did a lot of fun stuff along the way. So we were vacationing. I didn't do any, hardly any work that week. I have to say okay. hardly any because I did have a... Few few little things I had to take care of a couple times, but then when we were in Myrtle Beach, we worked our tails off because the museum exhibit it was a lot of hands on work, um, just being there and leading tours and talking to people. And we also painted a mural while we were there. And when I say we, it was really Drew with me helping a little bit, mm. um, <laughs> but. It, he does all the painting and the creating in that way. And I handle everything else. Yeah. So so if we're going to create, if we're going to create videos of something, I'm doing all that. I'm designing it. I'm deciding how it's going to go. I'm getting it done. If we're going to, you know, figure out how to, sometimes we'll decide to go on vacation and we'll say, okay, we really want to turn it into a business trip. Mm. So how how can we make this vacation a business trip? And then that's my art. My art is figuring out how to make money everywhere we go. So one year we wanted to go to Australia for a month and I decided that I was going to set up a little painting tour for Drew up and down the coast. So I contacted all these surf shops up and down the coast of the East coast of Australia and we did a little painting tour up and down and in between had a good time. That's awesome. I love that you did that. Okay. I think we have room for one more question before we wrap up. And I think this is a good question to end on. So Annie wants to know, what's a good way to get started? <laughs> so what advice would you have, Maria, for someone who's just starting out in as a professional artist? My advice is to get out and press the flesh here's what I think every artist should do is in the beginning, decide to do a series of works. Mm. Focus on that one series. If it takes you six months, if it takes you 12 months, and a series can be anywhere from 
eight to 20 works of a similar theme with a meaning behind it. And, and the meaning doesn't have to be deep or philosophical, but it can be whatever you want it to be. As you're creating this series, find a way to exhibit it in your local area so that it's not complicated to get there, so that it's easy to set up and transport and so forth. And set up an exhibit, plan for it in advance, advertise it to everybody that you know. Through that process, you will learn an amazing amount of information about yourself, about your work, about what people think of your work. You will develop skills that you need in business as well as your art. And you will connect with people who want more of your work and opportunities will open up for you. That's great advice. And do you have any last thoughts before we end, Maria, to call this episode complete? Yes. Regardless of what you want to do with your art, regardless of the kind of art you do, get very, very clear on what you want. Get very clear on what you want from your art career and from your life. And with that clarity, write it down. Even if you have no idea how you're going to do it, when you know what you want and you have it written down on a piece of paper and you think about it and you think about it every day, ideas will come to you. Inspired ideas will hit you. And when you get those inspired ideas, then you take inspired action. Take action right away. As soon as you come up with an idea and you say, whoa, oh, that's a crazy idea. Take action on it immediately. Every decision you make is going to either lead you closer to that vision of what you want for yourself, or it's going to take you further away from it. So just keep that in mind. I love that. Thank you so much, Maria, for spending this time. You've been so inspiring. I hope, I hope some of that was helpful. Kind oh, of, I think it was great. I mean, a I lot of those helpful. questions are things that people ask over and over again. Yeah. That's pretty much what they want, you know. Is that so good? And how do I get started? And how do I get yeah. started is like the hardest one. What do you tell people? Uh, yeah. Well, that's why I, I, I punted. <laughs> I usually tell them that the best place to start is to host an open studio mm-hmm. because it's they're, what they're talking about is just selling their art and just to like put it out there and invite, invite everyone they know to come look at it. I think that's like the easiest thing, but I really liked what you said about creating a series that I know that's something that I definitely did in the beginning is I would create a collection Mm -hmm. and I, something that I still do. And I'm sure Drew also does Mm -hmm. is have an idea of a collection that you're creating and like keep that presentation on in mind. So whether that presentation is a, a solo show or online or whatever that it, that your collection or your series has tells a story and it expresses like an idea that you want to explore. So I really, I like that advice. Yeah. Well, just because people get so confused and they're so, they're trying to do like 20 things at once Mm. and you can't, you have to just do one thing and be patient, patient, patient. There's no fast track. No. I wish there was. If there and and if there was, I'd I'd definitely be doing it and telling people to do it. But there isn't. Yeah, and the, the best thing to be successful is just you just never give up. 
Yeah. <laughs> the only reason why we're still standing here 15 years later is we didn't, we didn't give up when things got tough. Yeah. And things are always tough. Things yeah. are tough for me right now. I mean, we just took months of focusing on this museum exhibit, which you don't really get paid to do. Right. But it's months of work. Right. So we basically took a couple of months without pay, kind of. I mean, we were making a little bit of money, but pretty much we had to, you know, so now I'm at ground zero, like, shit, I got to get money in the door fast. And because I hadn't been, you know, the second you lift, let your foot off the gas of marketing sales and all that stuff, the funnel dries up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm trying to like, so like I expressed to you before we started recording was a lot of my bread and butter now is the online classes. But even with that, I, I, what, what I was doing was creating these timed launches where, you know, this is when this class starts and this is when you can sign up and now you can't sign up anymore. And those were yeah. both exhausting and also created a lot of peaks and valley yeah. in my income. So now what I'm trying to do is create some evergreen systems so yeah. that I can have some recurring cash flow without always knocking myself out. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't really like that, that method of what people do like, oh, you've got, you know, the course opens and you've got 48 hours to sign up. I understand why people do it, but I don't, it, it's just gimmicky, you know? It is, but it isn't. I mean, if you think about your own buying behavior, how many things have you seen on Amazon or Instagram where you just save for later? Yeah, and never went back and bought it. And the reason True. why is because if there's no urgency, you're not gonna. Yeah. Um, and people say, oh, that sounds nice, but I'll do it when I have more time. Right. And, and time is all of our scarcest resource. So you have to say, well, uh, you know, you can't do it when you have more time. You either do it now or don't do it. Right. So, well, fortunately, you kind of have to do it that way for. And what I'd like to say is I'm also doing it for their benefit. I mean, I'm not just saying this, and it's tr- I, I truly believe this, that it's helpful to them if I am helping a group of people who are going through that journey together mm-hmm. and not having people coming in at different times. So it, it helps the community if I'm supporting them within a Facebook community, form stronger bonds and everyone's on the same page. And even though I keep that- That's a good reason to do it. Absolutely. That's a good, that and makes it's like sense a college course, like a college yeah. course. You can't enter the college course in the middle of October. You have to start September, whatever it is after Labor Day. Yeah. So it just, yeah. it just helps their, their learning process to do it that way. That, yeah, that, God, that gives me such a good idea. Well, we're, one of our big projects that we're working on next is building online courses, teaching okay. people how to use the Posca paint pens that Drew uses. Oh, Okay. I Are like that gonna, idea of kind of having semesters. <laughs> I like yeah. that idea. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good for a mar- even though you think it's, oh, it's gimmicky, don't knock that. I mean, if you just focus on the idea that you're doing it for, th- for their benefit. Yeah. And give yourself permission to do it. Even it's, of course, it's good for you as well, but you are doing it for their benefit. And, you're t- and you, also the other thing that I say to them, which is also true, is that you don't want to burn your audience out with continuous promotion. So by right. giving a deadline of saying the promoting ends on this date, the cart closes on this date, yeah. then you don't have to promote it after then. Then you can go back to giving them value and free content. Yeah. 
So it keeps yeah. you, if you keep your promotional period short, then you're not annoying them all the time. What platform do you use for your classes? Kajabi. How do you, uh, you know, I looked into Kajabi. They're really expensive. Well, it is. I do believe it's the best though. So I'm willing to invest that because it's an investment in the experience of my students. And actually, Maria, I do have affiliate an affiliate code that you can use. If you go to shulmanart.com forward slash Kajabi, that will give you 15% off if you sign up for one of their packages. And there's another one, Teachable. What do you think I, of Teachable? That's the well, one I signed up for, but... It's less expensive, but I've heard from a friend of mine whose opinion I value highly because she her day job is in the online space with companies. She says it's just not as good. She says Kajabi is definitely superior. I just feel like unless you have or want to have a developer as part of your ongoing team, that it makes sense to have a tech-free, hands-off tech-free solution. Yeah. And Kajabi yeah. offers that. Now, of course, there are other options out there, like Thinkific is one, yeah. Teachable is another. And I just was, I, one of my mentors had said that he uses Kajabi. And to me, that was like, you know, it's like reading consumer reports and just saying, okay, I'm just going to go with the, what this person says yeah. and not spend my time researching or mucking around with something else. Yeah. But it is expensive. Yeah, I just remember it. I haven't looked into it in a while, but I remember it costing way more. And it costs so, a lot of money to run my online art classes. I have to be honest. Like, yeah, it's, I make a lot of money, but I spend a lot of money to run them. Where does most of the money go? You mean in filming it or? Um, no, in, in the software expenses. So, you know, you have, you have an email list that's now 10,000 people and that's $175 a month. And right. then I have a shopping cart and that's $100 a month. And then I have Kajabi and that's a couple hundred dollars a month. And then there's yeah. all these other things that you don't know that you need, but like, yeah. you, know, and you have like the countdown timer and that's another 20 bucks a month. And like, then there's like all these other little things, but then they start to add up. Yeah. What's the countdown timer? Well, I have two of them. I use Motion Mail app. That is one that I use for putting in emails. And then I just started oh. using Deadline okay. Funnels, which yeah. I really like. And that creates, that's when I said I'm making Evergreen System. So that's something that it's specific to the person coming in. So I can create a feeling of, well, I will discount this class for you for a week, but I don't know what week they've signed up for that this, that promotion. It allows me to give them a timed promotion. Oh, okay. So that's specific to them. So that, that's a little bit more complicated, but that's another yeah. another $37 another, a month. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. expensive. That's a lot. That's a, those software costs are for And you're spending like three or 400 a month in software or more. More. It's, it's at least 1000 I think I'd get nauseous if I just added it up and be like. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I don't have a wife like Drew does to help me. (laughs) So I hire somebody. So I have to pay somebody. (laughs) So that's my other expense, right? Well, I do get paid. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I know you do. I know you do. But <laughs> but I'm saying like I have, I don't have. But like, no, I know. And I, you know, that's something we didn't talk about, but I think that's really important that for people to realize is that nobody can do it by themselves and yeah. that you are helping your husband, but you are also supporting your own salary through that. So, right. And anybody else who's a husband, and there are plenty of of husband-wife teams and people who don't have a spouse or partner in the business, they really need to think about how they can hire help to do that. Yeah. I was full-time in the insurance industry. I had a very good salary and I left it to do this. So the income, but, but with me helping Drew, he was already making money as an artist. That's what he was doing full time when I met him, but he wasn't making enough to cover me, to cover my income Mm. until I came along and took a lot of stuff off his plate so we could increase his output. Yes. So then after I came to work with him about a year later, the art sales have increased. You know, I don't remember how much now it's been a long time, but significantly enough to pay me. Yeah. And, and there, it took a little while to get there. And when you talked to, um, like, for example, two episodes ago, I had Tara. Do you know Tara Reed? Yeah, she's a good friend of mine. Yeah. So she was talking about how much so that I think that's episode nine. So she was talking about how much her art output has increased and she's gone to working with an agent. So even though she has to give her agent half, it's she, her output has increased so much that it's made yeah. it worth it for her. So that's again, like you either you hire help or you hire an agent or you yeah. hire an agent, but you know what I mean? You, you yeah. with an agent and you pay an agent or you, or in my case, I, ha- I have full-time help that helps me put together these online, all this work, doing all this software. It's not a solo show. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm going to have to hire somebody to help. When we dive into, we're finishing up a book right now. And as soon as that's finished, we have like a few more weeks, a couple more weeks to finish it up. Then we're moving on to the online courses. Mm. And I haven't even figured out, you know, I'm going to look into Kajabi again because it's been like a year since I did that whole comparison thing. But yeah, I'm sure I'm going to have to hire somebody because I am so bad with technical stuff. And Drew is even worse than I am. Like we're both dinosaurs when it comes to technical crap that, you know, and it has to be good because we're, we're actually going to, we're targeting schools, homeschools, private Ah. schools. So you're thinking of this being more like a B2B rather than individual people taking the classes? That you're going to teach? Yeah, we're going to do both, but I'm really focusing on the schools because we have a lot of schools that are using Drew's art to teach their students already. Really? Yeah. You know who you should look up? Are you familiar with Patty Palmer, uh, Deep Space Sparkle? She sells lesson plans for elementary school artists, art teachers. The last thing I heard you say is, am I familiar with Patty Palmer? You are the third person in this week. That's so weird. Why does her name keep popping up? First of all, she's like making a lot selling lesson plans to elementary school art teachers. So if that's what you're thinking of doing, she's yeah. the one you should connect with. 
I don't really, I don't know her personally, but if the other people who have mentioned her name, if they can get you an introduction, she's definitely someone who you should connect with. Yeah, I will. That's amazing. Um, Her name just comes up again and again and again and again. And I would see how is she doing it too? Like what kind of sleuthing can you do? You know, that's the kind of thing where I always thought if you want to know how somebody does something, the fastest way to find out is to be their customer. Yeah, true. You know, like join her website or her membership. Like it's 20 bucks a month. Just join it. See what you get. See what the software is. And you should be able to figure that out. Yeah. Well, and I believe there's room for different ways of doing things. You know, there's not. Oh, totally. I'm not saying, I'm not saying to copy her lesson plans. No, I know. No, no, I'm not saying that. And I wouldn't anyway, because we already know what ours looks like. And, and it's totally, I, I checked her out briefly because her name kept coming up. And what we're doing is completely different from what she's doing. But, but just what I mean is like what the, the experience is, what the experience is like. So yeah. I even used to, I would buy art from artists who like on Etsy and, or in eBay back in the dark ages who were like the top sellers just so I can find out, well, how do they treat their customers? How is the art packaged? How does yeah. it arrive? Yeah. And I would learn from that, like, oh, it's in pretty tissue paper and there's a little note here (laughs) and like there's a little sticker. Oh, I can do that. But it doesn't mean I'm copying, you know, whatever. Right. No, good good artists feel. And I do that. I I look at what successful people are doing and I emulate a lot of it. Yes. Uh, I too. I try to emulate the bit that resonate with me. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely will. Check out Patty Palmer. I might take your advice and sign up for her, whatever she's got going on. I don't know, but I'll, I'll do that. And um, yeah, I need to figure out how to get into schools. We, and we get hired to go teach in schools sometimes. And it's astounding to me how these kids are so afraid. The older they are, the more afraid they right. are. So how old, how old are they where they develop the fear? So I want to say it starts to develop in like third grade where they start worrying about what you think. And it gets really bad by fifth and sixth grade. We really saw it a couple of years ago when our, our, our son was homeschooled. And so we were asked to go to the homeschool class, um, teach the homeschooled kids one day. And so we taught all the grades up to seventh grade in one day. We spent an hour with each grade. And we started with the younger kids and it was great. They weren't afraid. They were just having fun but with, and then the next class would come in and they were a little bit older and you noticed they were like real tight and trying to be perfect. And, and it just got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And that was when we saw it and we said, gosh, at some point people just get so beat down by other people's yeah. expectations. They're afraid to color outside the lines, literally. Yeah. And so our method of teaching has always been Drew always starts with the first the first rule in art is there are no rules. Mm. And the only thing I'm going to make you do in this class is get rid of all the white. That's what he always says. He goes, I don't care what you do. You can paint it all black for all I care, but you're going to get rid of all the white. And he does that to make them paint. Ah. Because otherwise, that. they stay in this little tiny... Right, and they make a know? little icon on there. Yeah, so yeah. he makes them go big, and he 
and it works. And it's like, we had a class of fifth and sixth graders. It was two classes. So it was like 50 kids. Oh, it was like, and we're not really kid people. <laughs> so it's kind of harder for us to walk in and do that. He kept the, their attention for an hour. Amazing. And, and the principal was there. The principal was one that hired us to do it. It was the second year in a row we did it with that school. And the principal said, you know, it's amazing how these kids, almost 60 kids, sat still and drew and painted and had fun. And they asked questions and some of them participated. You know, Drew would ask for volunteers to come to the front and help him. And then they threw out crazy ideas of what to draw. And one kid said, draw a happy taco. And Drew's like, all right, everybody draw a happy taco. And some of the funniest things came out of that. I think that the public schools are in deep need of having someone who's not a teacher teach. Mm, mm, Because teachers are like, follow rules. I know. I was so, I don't want to use the word angry, but when my daughter was in third grade, her teacher was really into, not her art teacher, her regular teacher was into art and wanted them to learn how to do portraits. And during the parent-teacher conference, she was saying how, well, Talia colored in the whites of the eyes, and I wanted to tell her not to do that. And here I am, a professional portrait artist, right? And I wanted to yell at the teacher. I was like, I always color in the whites of the eyes. What are you talking about? Nobody's whites of their eyes are white. But I didn't want to be rude to her. But it was like she had these like rigid set of rules that yeah. weren't even like, they were like how to make cartoons faces, not how to, you know... Right. Nothing wrong with my daughter's portrait. (laughs) Like, yeah, I always paint them gray. It's like crazy. They shouldn't be telling them what to do. They shouldn't. Right. Art art is like thinking outside the box. It's like painting crazy stuff. Like, like this painting that I had Drew do for me. So, are you familiar with Ganesha? Well, he's a he's a Hindu god. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The elephant god. Yeah, and he always has this little mouse. This breaks all the rules. The Uh, mouse doesn't surf usually, you know, and Ganesha isn't usually, never holds a pineapple or wears a grass skirt. You know, I mean, those are the things that kids should be doing is, you know, using their imagination. And that's how we come up with some cool stuff. But anyway, I love the painting behind you. The the, the giraffe. I love it. Thank you. He photobombs everything. That's actually a she. Or, or maybe it's gender fluid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's gender fluid. I don't, she, yeah, she looks. She looks <gasps> right. <laughs> anyway, she? I have to go because mostly because yeah. I want to turn on the air conditioning and lie oh in God, front of it. So hot in here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope, I hope uh, people like it. And yeah, well, thanks for taking the time. And I definitely hope this will be worth your while and will lead to, lead to good things for you. I'm sure it, yeah. I'm sure but, it will. But it was definitely fun getting to know you better and connecting yeah. with you. Thank you. Send me a link when it's ready. Absolutely. And, I, and then I'll let all my people know. So I'll send my people. Absolutely. My, my newsletter list. I have about 7,000 on my newsletter list. So I'll, that's good. You yeah, mine yeah. actually shrunk with the GDPR. I don't think I have 10,000 really? anymore. Did you do that? Did you I do the GDPR thing? Yet. I don't know what to do. I talked to my, I'm so, I'm so bad with stuff like that. I'm like, 
don't you just have to like add something like cookies to your website? <laughs> I taught you know you what know, if I, you do a double if you do a double opt in, yeah, then you're safe. Yeah, I think so, I do. So if you do that, yeah, I do actually. When you sign up for my newsletter list, it's like a yeah. Yeah, but you should, I don't know if you do this, you should clean your list um, to make sure that people, there aren't people on your list who never open it because yeah. that will hurt your deliverability um, yeah. over time. To, did you know, you know that, right? Or no? I didn't know that. Okay, so let's say, I'll just make something up. Let's say you, okay, you have 7,000 people on your list and your open rate is, I'm going to guess, 30, 40%. It's like 35%. That's great, 30%. So what you want to do is that 70% who don't open it, if there is a segment of your list who never opens it because either it always goes to spam or they're the type of person who never opens their emails. We, we all know there's people like that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's us. I don't know. <laughs> um, so if there's a the type of person who never opens it, what happens? Or they haven't opened it in a while. And what happens is then their email system is just moving it directly to spam. Oh, okay. You don't want those people on their, on your email list for two reasons. One, you're, you're paying for the, it could be a lot of people. It could be like 2000 people that you're paying for, but also the 30%. So 30% 30 times 7,000, that's what 2000 people. The 2,000 people who want your emails, they may stop getting it if Google or Yahoo sees that, oh, these 70% aren't opening it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, or the other thing that ends up happening sometimes is for whatever reason, if they haven't opened it in, in six months and suddenly they open it and they're like, I don't know who Maria Brophy is, spam. So yeah. you don't want those people on your list. You want the people who are engaged and want to hear from you. So there are things that you can do to clean your email list. Yeah. yeah. I use, do you use MailChimp or what yeah. do you? Yeah, I do. So just you, do like a, yeah, you can run a list or run a report that shows anyone that hasn't opened the last 10 campaigns and the last five campaigns. Exactly. Right? Two stars, two yeah. star people. Um, you can. And a lot of times they'll recommend you send them an email first, asking them if they want to stay on your list before you unsubscribe them. So that's what I do. I'll send them a series of emails. Hmm, that's a good idea. Yeah. And then I unsubscribe. You're full of good information. I should be asking you questions on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's do it. And I think next time we do it, we'll just have more conversation. Oh, for sure. Well, I might, I might include a lot of what we just said in the, in the podcast. I think you should, because the things we talked about right after was some good stuff. Yeah. I'll just have to reorder it. I'll just put the thank you at the end and make make the smash it all together. Yeah. And then my editor will come back to me. It's like, does this, is this the, what you meant? (laughs) Just just run it. (laughs) Put some music between, between the awkward pauses. I definitely recommend for everyone to get her book. I definitely have it, read it, underlined it. It's got a place of honor on my bookshelf. So uh, besides getting your book, where else can people come to find you if they want to work with you? People can go to my website. It's my name, mariabrophy.com. 
and there's a lot of great articles on there. And also, I have a YouTube channel, which you can just go to YouTube and search my name, Maria Brophy. And I have a lot of videos where I talk about a lot of different art business tips. And if you want to buy my book, Art Money Success, you can find it on Amazon.com. Awesome. So thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure my listeners will too. Thanks so much, Maria. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap. So for all the links that we talked about today, and there are quite a few, you can go to my website, go to shulmanart.com forward slash 11. For every link that we mentioned today, you'll find there a link to purchase Maria's book. You'll find that Kajabi link I talked about. You'll find um, other shows related to this one. And next week, you'll be in for a special treat. Next week, I'm actually going to be doing a solo mini training. And it's all about email, how to get people to join your email list when you're an artist. So next week, same time, same place. See you then. Have an inspirational week. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com.